Hello and welcome to On The Left Side, the alternative football show Christmas special. Whilst all your other favourite podcasts and TV shows are churning out the same old repeats and lazy best-ofs, we are hard at work at the coal face of football satire, bringing you yet another carefully crafted slice of football funny. And what a week it's been in football that... Sorry, sorry, hold on. What, a, a kind of a best of? The big stories from last year? Just throw any old shit together and clear off for Christmas? Hell yeah, I'm in. Cool. Well, I'll see you in the King's Arms in what? 30 minutes? Sweet. See ya. Welcome to On The Left Side, the annual review show. We have carefully and painstakingly selected some of the biggest and best stories from the last 12 months of football and popped them in a handy bite-sized podcast. So hop in your time machine, set that dial to funny, and off we go. Undoubtedly, the biggest story of 2016 was Leicester City. The footballing minnows started last season with odds of 5,000 to 1 that they would win the Premier League, which was the same odds given to Elvis being found alive and well or Jose Mourinho actually accepting the blame personally for his team playing badly. In other words, no one thought it was ever going to happen. Ever. But it did happen, and in May 2016, the world went mental as the Foxes celebrated. Even with the creeping inevitability of the title landing in the East Midlands over the last few weeks, it seems it's caught the world's media a little bit off guard. Nine News in Australia reported that Leicester City had won the Premier League Grand Final, which sounds very exciting. The New York Times referred to them as the Leicester City Foxes. Come on, this isn't soccer. Whilst the rest of America just struggled to pronounce Leicester. Leicester, 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 Leicester. But all of those gaffes are forgivable compared to this one news reporter. He came live on air to CNN to report that Leicester City had won the league. So, just to recap, his one job to reveal that Leicester City, that's Leicester City, have won the league. Go. Still ahead on Sports Center, you talk about unprobable. This was the reaction today when Tottenham won the EPL. Darren Ravel will have reaction from all over as Tottenham wins the EPL. Ah, fuck. Maybe if Spurs had won the league, it wouldn't have gone quite so crazy. But as it was, we were treated to a 48 hour Leicester-a-thon with news channels offering us wall to wall reaction and interviewing anyone within 100 miles of the King Power Stadium that they could get their hands on. I think this was the moment I realised they'd probably just about interviewed everyone. Well, Jamie Vardy, people all talking about him. And would you believe he's wandered down to the King Power Stadium to talk to us? (laughs) You're not really Jamie Vardy. You just look a little bit like he's... But I I do sit in there. I'm a postman. And it's even crept into other sports too. Whilst promoting Amir Khan's big Las Vegas fight, Oscar De La Hoya even tried to crowbar in a Leicester City reference. And of course, getting it all wrong. I mean, whoever thought that Leicester City, who was 5,000 to 1, win the UEFA Cup, 
If you're gonna try and pretend to be interested, at least do your research. And just when I thought it couldn't get any more tenuous, suddenly they talked about Leicester City in the House of Commons. Yep, the Foxes' success even got brought up on PMQs, and not just their league victory, but the all-important issue of will Gary Lineker stick to his promise of presenting match of the day in his pants? Gary Lineker thought the idea of Leicester winning was so far-fetched that he said if they did win, he would present match of the day in his underwear. As Obviously, David Cameron demanded immediate action. Prime Minister. I absolutely agree. I've been watching um, everything Gary Lineker has said, so uh, I welcome what he said. Um, obviously, I hope it's just the start of him joining the blue team. Well, there's not much else going on, is there? It's not like there's a looming European exit referendum to discuss or growing global terror threats or even local elections to worry about. A TV presenter in his pants is much more important. In fact, maybe we could start using MPs instead of the video review system in future. The right honourable gentleman not agree that in fact Diego Costa was a whole year offside. Although the raising of the Gary Lineker question did lead to some wonderful banter from Jeremy Corbyn. I joined the Prime Minister in congratulating Leicester City. I hope it's not an indication he's going to support another football team, or is he going to stick with the, the stick with the two he's got already? Fabulous, if not a little bit unfair. The Aston Villa thing was just a mistake. We all know David Cameron is a big fan of West Ham. In fact, I think he likes most pig-related things. But what was the secret to success? Was it Vardy's goal scoring? Was it the tactical nous from the management team? Was it even the promise of pizza and beer? No. After Mark Hamill, aka Luke Skywalker from the Star Wars films, posted his own personal congratulatory message to the Blues, it suddenly dawned on me. After all this time, I've been listening to Ranieri thinking he's a charming old Italian man, when he is in fact a Jedi Master. Yes, there is more than a touch of the Yoda about City's manager. For the first time in their life, the people can win. We had to try. We had to try. Why don't believe? I want to know who is the true Leicester. Big revenge, I want to kill him. So there you have it. Forget Alex Ferguson's mind games. To win the league, what you need is Jedi mind tricks. That'll get you the title. But well done, Leicester. The people's champion, and you did the job. Now, has anyone mentioned that Jamie Vardy used to play for Fleetwood Town? Of course, it's much easier now to believe that Jamie Vardy once played for Fleetwood Town and Leicester City are struggling to keep hold of their Premier League status, let alone mount another championship run. The other major domestic trophy handed out last year was, of course, the FA Cup. Because let's face it, does anyone really care about the League Cup or the EFL Cup or the EDL Cup or whatever the bloody thing's called nowadays? But that was won by Louis van Gaal. However, 
instead of the victory parade that the Dutchman may well have been expecting, instead of an open-top bus, he was thrown under the bus unceremoniously by the club's bigwigs and replaced with Jose Mourinho. But I ask you, would you ever have seen the special one providing us with what turned out to be one of the highlights of last season as LVG flung himself to the floor when United took on Arsenal in the league? Let's just calm down a bit and remember what the absolute highlight of that game was. It wasn't the goals. It was LVG falling over on the touchline. I say falling over, I mean flinging himself to the ground with a kind of simulation of which Ashley Young would be proud. No one knows why he did it. Was he suggesting a player had been fouled? Was he pointing out a dive? Was he just so shocked with the fact that United had scored three goals that he could no longer stand? Either way, it was fantastic. And it was the only thing everyone was talking about for the rest of the week, including his fellow Dutchman Gus Hiddink, who gave this appraisal of LVG's plunge. You could see that he has been educated also in practicing judo as well, he, and he fell down perfectly, that he very fluently went down. You know what? Suddenly, seeing Louis as some kind of dojo king puts him in a whole new light. Suddenly, those linguistically challenging post-match interviews like this. Now we have to play against Chelsea. That is another cook. It's another biscuit. Have a whole new meaning when you see him as some kind of Mr. Miyagi character. Sticks and bolts can break my... Names never hurt me. We have uh, twitched our ass on the bench because we were out of balance. And then we have discussed a lot of aspects. I have seen a lady who plays the saxophone. No, my mistake. He's still talking shit. He's like a footballing Yoda. Whilst LVG was exiting Manchester United, England fans were readying themselves for an early exit from the European Championships, as England did what England do best. That's cruise through the qualifying stages like Wayne Rooney goes through regain before coming hopelessly and embarrassingly unstuck in the tournament proper. This time round, it was footballing giants, Iceland, that proved a hurdle too far for the three Lions, a team that was managed by a part-time dentist. What is it about dentists finishing off Lions this year? The defeat meant that Roy Hodgson decided it was time to go and within minutes of the final whistle, he appeared in a press conference with a pre-prepared resignation speech. A speech which he must have written during the game. No wonder England didn't look motivated. The half-time team talk must have consisted of Roy asking Harry Kane how to spell redundancy and asking Jordan Henderson if he can put him down as a reference. Anyway, it was time to usher in a brave new world. A world with a manager who's used to working with under-par disappointing players. So up step Sam Allardyce to lead England into a bright new future. And it didn't go quite to plan. It's all over. After just 67 days and one game in charge of the England national football team, Sam Allardyce has bowed out of the job. Bye-bye. Keeping intact his 100% win rate and thus making him England's greatest ever manager. 
A Daily Telegraph sting supposedly saw Big Sam agreeing to help circumnavigate FA rules in exchange for big wads of cash. And so, Sam was forced to leave his £3 million a year job by mutual consent. That's the same kind of mutual consent that I left that nightclub with. That time I started a drunken brawl with a plant pot and threw up on the bouncer's shoes. The damning video footage of the England manager in a Chinese restaurant knocking back pints of wine only really confirmed what we all know. Big Sam is a man who will agree to anything if you take him out for a few beers and an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. But it was the secretly filmed videos that really did for him in the end, as it appeared to show Sam agreeing to advise Chinese businessmen on how to make money from football in exchange for loads of cash. The fees will be sensible. I would have thought £100,000 a time. Although he did say he'd have to check with the powers that be first, which is the kind of excuse I make when I don't want to go to someone's house for dinner. Oh, hold on a second. Hello? Hey, Ant, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to come and try that vegan soya bean mung stew you've made and look at slides of your charity trip to Goa. Just need to check with the wife first, all right? Yeah, bye. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, the footballing world reacted to Sam's dodgy dealings in the same way as anyone who wants to deflect attention away from themselves while surreptitiously shredding their bank statements would. Tony Cotty went into shock. I'm... Stunned, absolutely stunned. Steve McLaren went into indignation. Very, very sad. You know, Sam innocently has paid the price. And Arsene Wenger, he went with... I haven't even read the story. Well, I suppose it makes a change from... I did not see it. To be fair, I think kicking him out of the gig for what he did seems a little harsh. I mean, if we really wanted to punish him, then why not make him stay as England manager for the next decade? That would be really cruel punishment. <laughs> I hope if Big Sam takes anything away from this, he's learned two things from this whole debacle. One, don't talk to strange businessmen with GoPros strapped to their heads. And two, things come back to haunt you. Just take this clip from his press conference when he first became England manager. Well, I'm 61, coming up to 62. There's not a lot more I'm going to do after this one, is there? I don't know, Sam, with the credentials you've got now, I'd say you're well in line for the top job at FIFA. Speaking of governing bodies, the great big governing body of Britain, or government as some people choose to call it, decided to pass the future of the nation into the hands of the public this year and asked, do we want to remain in Europe? Was that ever going to be a good idea? The public thought that England stood a chance of doing well in the Euros. The public vote in the X Factor. The public seemingly keep up the demand for curry-flavoured pot noodles. We can't be trusted with things like that. The ultimate final vote was preceded by around 48 years of campaigning and arguing in which anyone who has ever been on TV at some point in the history of time chose to shout their opinions into the sky with no real basis of fact whilst addressing anyone who dared to disagree with their opinions as an idiot for even having their own thoughts. And there was no way that the footballing world was going to stay out of this particular bun fight. What this referendum campaign had needed all along was more uninformed opinion. And that's just what was provided from the perfectly presented lips of Golden Balls himself. Now, Bex has always been pretty decent at putting a cross in the box, but I never really saw him as the political campaigner type. 
But the former England captain took time out from posing in his pants to say this. We live in a vibrant and connected world where together, as people, we are strong. For our children and their children, we should be facing the problems of the world together and not alone. Well, that's what he posted on Facebook anyway. I imagine it was fleshed out a bit by a load of PR people. What he really said was this. Victoria! Victoria, where's my orange crayon? I want to draw a tiger. Victoria! But you know what? The sentiment is pretty much the same. He also compared the EU to playing football with the likes of Roy Keane, Ryan Giggs and Phil Neville, which actually makes a lot of sense. Ryan Giggs is France. You need to watch it with your missus. Roy Keane's Germany, a little bit fighty in the past, but seems to have calmed down a bit now, even if it is miserable at times. And Phil Neville is Belgium. You don't know much about it, and it's just not as exciting as the other options. I'm not sure if Mr Beckham's view had an effect on the final vote. I mean, I've always seen him as more of an expert on economic power in the Far East and the history of the Ottoman Empire than on European trade. But there is one thing that is clear to me. If your thought process at any point sounded like this... Well, on on one hand, I would like to see Britain able to negotiate its own trade deals with other trading nations outside the European Union. But on the other hand, David Beckham has got very shiny hair. Then you need to leave Europe. You need to do it now and don't come back. So Britain left Europe and a footballing legend left, well, football. 2016 saw Stevie Gerrard hang up his boots for the final time after a brief spell trying to work out why the hell anyone would abbreviate penalty kick to PK whilst playing soccer in the USA. And if you don't know what soccer is, it's like football, but much, much worse. Having lowered his standards to a suitable level, Stevie decided it was now time to call it a day and bowed out of the game forever. And with 212 goals, two League Cups, two FA Cups, one UEFA Cup and a Champions League under his belt, he's probably a little bit miffed that he's still most remembered for falling over. Steven Gerrard, the captain, slipped and Denver Barr has popped up with another crucial Chelsea goal. Have you had a slip or fall in a potential title-deciding Premier League game that wasn't your fault? Eh, uh, maybe... Even with that minor mishap, Stevie G will no doubt go down as one of the greatest players ever to pull on a Liverpool shirt. And he bowed out with an exclusive interview with the godmother of football himself, or herself, Gary Lineker on BT Sport. Will you miss it? 100%. Come on, Stevie. Call yourself a footballer. No wonder you're retiring. No footballer has ever done anything at 100%. A footballer giving 100%, it's just lazy. It's 110% Stevie, 110% every time, amateur. But he also revealed the reason he finally decided to call it a day. You're aware of this time coming, the body starts talking to you. Your body may talk to you, Steve, but sometimes it's your brain that you need to listen to. What if Rooney had listened to his head recently instead of his drinking elbow? What if John Terry had paid attention to his grey matter instead of his loins? What if Daniel Sturridge had considered that his legs were made out of Lego before deciding to go into a job as a professional footballer? Sometimes, you just need to think about stuff. We await to see what Stevie G does next. It's exciting times, especially with his missus doing so well on X Factor. Thank God that's over. 
I mean, X Factor, not this show, but this show is over. And thank God for that as well, because with that, we slip, sorry, out of 2016 and brace ourselves for 2017 to hit us with a knee-high two-footed tackle, just like Marcus Rojo. On the left side, we'll be back with a new show next Monday, and that'll be a proper actual new show. We're sorry about this one. If this has given you an appetite for some of the footballing offerings that we've made over the last year, head to ontheleftside.co.uk and you can rediscover all the old episodes. Right, I'm off to meet Louis Van Hal, Stevie G and Sam Allardyce for a pint to talk about entering the three of them as a group into next year's X Factor finals. Because that's full time. Bye! On the Left Side is a Paint Your Headphones production for Abrupt Audio and is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson.